Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Heads and Tails, a podcast which combines the past and the present of cricket like no other. My name is Abhishek and I also welcome my co-host Nitin to this episode where we are going to talk about all the goings on in cricket in the week gone by and then we hop on to our time machine as always to talk about something from the past with a connect to the present. Hi Nitin. Hey Tops, great to be back talking about cricket and I know that we have zeroed in on an interesting topic from the past for this week. <laughs> that's a that's a good hint for the listeners as to what we are going to talk about but before we go there let's just uh, cover up whatever has happened in the week gone by first of all a great great series win already for afghanistan against pakistan in the three match t20 series at sharjah something very very extraordinary and seems like finally the afghanis are going to uh, show their mettle in the world of international cricket Yeah great result for Afghanistan uh, and uh, I look forward to their players once again taking the IPL by storm starting in a week Yeah in other news Johnson Charles has taken the world by storm with his astonishing astonishing 100 uh, uh, the fastest T20 100 by a West Indian uh, but the South Africans were not to be left behind they compiled a monstrous chase of their own and won the match due to some heroics from Quinton de Kock Yeah this is the uh, 434 equivalent in T20 cricket and it's quite uh, uncanny how South Africa is the team that's always chasing monster totals in limited overs cricket so West Indies making 258 at Centurion in the second T20 and South Africa managing to chase that with seven balls to spare so Johnson Charles 46 ball 118 eventually getting overshadowed by Quinton de Kock's 44 ball 100 quite a crazy chase that also the WPL has finally ended Mumbai Indians uh, replicating their success in the men's event with a title win over here too. Wait a sec, wait a sec, Chops. I like how you're whitewashing history here. I know you live in Bombay, but you said Mumbai Indians women replicating the success of the men. The men came last in the last IPL, by the way. So they really have it all to do in the new season of the IPL. So I know they won the IPL a few times in the past, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mumbai Indians uh, uh, getting some relief from the women actually and and uh, getting some silverware on their cupboard good game though uh, the mumbai indians actually dominated this tournament uh, uh, through and through they were the favorites going into the final stages of the women's premier league and they put it past delhi capitals quite easily in the final restricting delhi to just 131 and they knocked it off with three balls to spare a fine uh, performance from natshiva brunt uh, she top scored with an unbeaten 60 and but this tournament will be remembered for haley matthews uh, i think she finished as the player of the tournament uh, 271 runs and 16 wickets to go with that a fine all round performance by matthews and uh, a great start to the women's premier league for uh, mumbai indians yes rounding off uh, the news uh, australia have uh, taken the odi series in india uh, by a margin of 2-1 The last game happened at Chennai. Australia put up uh, 269 and one would have thought given the uh, kind of firepower the Indians have in their batting lineup uh, and Kohli being there who has uh, essayed many a uh, fantastic innings in such a chase uh, would get there home easily but it wasn't to be um, India India lost that match their chase um, almost came dead on arrival went nowhere and uh, a worthy worthy win for australia and it bodes so well for uh, 
the ODI World Cup that's going to happen uh, in India later this year. Yeah, three thoughts for me from that game very quickly. Firstly, the pitch at Chennai uh, beginning to take turn in the evening. I think uh, it's a good precursor to what we can expect in the IPL where yeah. MS Dhoni and team will be lining up with their spinners. The second thing though is, uh, these are great pitches though for limited overs cricket and I really yes. hope the World Absolutely. Cup is going to be played on pitches like this. All three games uh, had very interesting pitches. Uh, and lastly, I think India's trouble against spin continues to torment them. This was a very gettable chase. I don't think it was out of their league at any stage. They even got off to a fairly quick start thanks to Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill. But uh, too many players in that middle order just kept holding out against some fairly tight spin bowling from Ashton Agar uh, and from Adam Zampa. So concerns for India there uh, against spin, especially if the uh, World Cup is going to be played on pitches like this. Let's see how it goes. And with that, we go back in time to cover another Australia-India encounter. We go back to 99-2000 when India, under the captaincy of Sachin Tendulkar, toured Australia after a long, long gap. They had last been there in 92-93, the Test Series and then the World Cup. Uh, So they went with a lot of hope, hoping to actually reverse their failures in tests away from home. Uh, Australia had never really been a happy hunting ground for the Indians, uh, which is so, so very different from what has happened in the recent past. But man, they were absolutely thrashed and battered uh, by a very, very strong Australian lineup. And that series, I can safely say, is is my worst cricket nightmare come true. Even now, if I go back to YouTube and watch the highlights of that series, it's just uh, one disappointment after the other. If you're a batter, what can be worse than getting battered on an away tour in Australia? Well, what can be worse is getting out for ducks back to back to back. Now, the reason we are going to this particular tour is not because India lost to Australia last week, but because Surya Kumar Yadav has somehow managed to collect three successive first ball ducks. Now, uh, our thoughts and commiserations with Sky, and he's definitely going to feel the pressure the next time he comes out to bat in the IPL or for India. And we hope that he gets out of this rut because three ducks or three first ball ducks don't really reflect on the sort of batter that he is. It is just the sort of thing that happens. It happened to Tendulkar once. He got three consecutive ducks in one day cricket. So it happens to the best of them. But back in 1999, it happened to maybe not one of the best of them, but one of the most interesting players to have ever played cricket for India. We are, of course, talking about Ajit Agarkar's incredible sequence of ducks on that tour of Australia. And it was really the capstone, I would say, the ribbon on top of the sort of hiding that Australia handed India on that tour, where Agarkar just could not put bat on ball. And he really is not a tailender. He is someone who can hold his bat, and we'll talk about some of that as well. But somehow, that tour, every single time Ajit Agarkar came out of bat, he was going back to the pavilion very soon, uh, immediately after. So. That's what we're going to relive. Sometimes we need to relive our nightmares so that we have better days ahead of us to look forward to good sleep. So today is one of those days where we're going to look back at a nightmare, albeit fondly. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, he couldn't put bat to ball. When he was doing that, the edges were flying off to the slip cord. (laughs) He was strongly getting caught. Yeah. But a bit of a background on this this tour though. Chops, you mentioned India were hopeful of reversing their uh, poor luck when it comes to playing outside India. The board secretary, Mr. Jaivanth Lille, was caught uh, unawares on camera or, or on a mic somewhere, 
predicting that India would lose the Test Series 3-0 before they went. Think about that. The board secretary actually predicted that his team was going to lose 3-0. Uh, this is just as India were becoming a superpower in cricket. In fact, frankly, they were already close to being a financial superpower. But on field, Indian cricket was still in absolute shambles back in the day. That a board secretary yeah. could say something like that and get away with it. Nobody batted an eyelid. <laughs> and get proven right, ultimately. <laughs> and get proven right, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Adelaide was the venue for the first test. Uh, and and uh, things started off on a bad note for uh, for India. Uh, I think Tendulkar in this test match itself had two horrible, horrible uh, uh, umpiring decisions yeah. going off uh, against him. In the first innings, he had... Um, Shane Vaughan getting him uh, caught at uh, uh, bat pad position, but the ball yeah. uh, never came close to the bat. And in the second mm-hmm. innings, the mother of all terrible, terrible umpiring decisions. The mother of all LBWs. In fact, you could call it an elbow W because the ball was closer to Sachin's elbow than to his legs. Uh, it actually hits him. It's, it's a short ball from Glenn McGrath. Tendulkar tries to duck under it, but the ball keeps low, skids along. It hits him somewhere between his shoulder and his underarm, right, as he's ducking. And the ball is going at perhaps bail height, so it's probably looking like it might go over the stumps. But umpire Daryl Harper, who had a few interesting run-ins with India back in those days, uh, upholds the appeal immediately and uh, sends Tendulkar back. So, two very shocking decisions to start off the series. Uh, but yeah, there were more shocks to follow. And this was, uh, this was also uh, the match in which Ricky Ponting, uh, the great Australian number three um, uh, batsman was hit on the grill by a nasty, nasty bouncer from Jawagal Srinath. Yeah. And Jawagal Srinath, being the nice, kind boy from Mysore, actually goes to goes towards Ricky Ponting in his run-up and tries to check on him as to whether Ricky Ponting is doing all right. Uh, Ricky's <laughs> cheek is blooded. Uh, but he takes off his helmet and as he sees Srinath approaching him, <laughs> sends him back with the choicest expletives and yeah. poor Srinath has nowhere to go. Uh, and it was also, you know, a, a terrible refereeing decision in that sense because there was no, no, uh, uh, nothing that was said to pointing about how he behaved. And then as we'll cover later, yeah. uh, Venkatesh Prasad, gets uh, a nice rap on the knuckles from a similar match referee. Yes. Yeah. And it's unclear whether Ponting was angry that he got hit by uh, Srinath or he was embarrassed or he w- or it was just regular hard-nosed Australian uh, aggression. But it was quite, quite a scene to see a batter who has just been hit uh, and is bloodied on the pitch to give it back to a bowler who has come to check on him. Right? Very different from how cricket is played in these yeah. woke days, if I might say. But back then, it was still all grisly and gnarly. But that's what happened. Uh, things not going India's way. And uh, towards the end of play, as the last rights were being administered, Ajit Agarkar walks out in the second innings. Um, there are three slips and a couple of gullies waiting for him outside the Austin. What does he do? He gets a full ball uh, from Damien Fleming, not the fastest ball. He steers it beautifully through, through point, except that's what he's trying to do. It goes straight to one of the fielders standing behind square. So that's Agarkar's first first bowler. He, by the way, batted reasonably well in the first innings. He got a few runs and all of that. Yeah. But he then gets a first bowler in the second innings in Adelaide. So India then losing that first test eventually by a fairly big margin. Australia, after 
batting first and then uh, doing a little bit of declaration batting, eventually bundling out India for 110 in the fourth innings, winning that first test by 285 runs. And then off we go to uh, the Melbourne Cricket Ground for the Boxing Day test. India would have been hoping to reverse their fortunes after that uh, terrible, terrible loss in the first test. They handed out a debut to Rishikesh Kanitkar and Australia handed out a debut to Brett Lee. Uh, their firebrand pace bowler who was going to take the world by storm. Uh, not just with his pace, but also some very, very accurate Yorkers. Uh, so in this test, we again had Agarkar uh, making uh, a two ducks. So Nitin, can you tell us about <laughs> both of those ducks? Uh, what do we say? Firstly, um, you could have said Agarkar was, uh, you know, probably brought on the bad luck to himself in the first uh, first test match where he played that lackadaisical steer through the cordon which was filled with people. This time he had no chance. It was a Yorker from Bretley swinging in at great pace, 149.3 kilometers per hour. I think Agarkar had no chance. He had barely reacted to the ball. And Agarkar has this extremely exaggerated uh, backlift. He's a very unusual looking batter. Uh, yeah. Times the ball very sweetly when things go well for him. But he also has this massive backlift. And I think that backlift was barely done when the ball hit his toe and he was gone, gone in a flash. <laughs> Around this time, the person who was writing on Quickinfo about this series uh, says, uh, Srinath became an expert in padding up even before Agarkar went out to bat <laughs> because it was soon becoming clear that he'd have to come and, uh, you know, bat soon after him. And Srinath also started getting better at keeping out the hat-trick ball. So there you go. This is also the test in which uh, you had the Prasad, um, Venkatesh Prasad and Michael Slater incident. Uh, basically, Michael Slater uh, tried to hook a short one and he was caught somewhere in the deep fine leg area. Um, and then Prasad, who had already earned a bad boy reputation, uh, not, not the case for Karnataka boys generally, but after what he did to uh, Amir Sohail in the 1996 World Cup quarterfinals, maybe the reputation was here to stay. Uh, he gives a proper send-off to Michael Slater. Uh, who's uh, trying to walk away after getting out. And uh, that send-off actually earned the ire of uh, David Shepard, the portly uh, English umpire who was, uh, who was standing in this test. And then he also gets uh, uh, fined by the match referee for uh, his conduct. We'll soon discover how Megra then did the same thing to Sachin in the third test. But obviously, um, I mean, back in the day, the rules were very, very different for the Indians. The test match then eventually following a very similar course. Once again, declaration batting from Australia before they inserted India with a huge target in the fourth innings. And once again, things going pear-shaped. Sachin again scoring a few. The others not contributing much at all. And it again came down to our friend Ajit Agarkar. If you're on a pair, you ideally do whatever it takes to try and get off the mark. If you're on a king pair... You ideally try to do whatever it takes to keep that first ball out and then get off the mark of the second ball. You should say that Agarkar had everything made for him in this in this innings, the second innings, because he's on a king pair. Who is he getting to face? He's getting to face a part-timer, Mark Waugh, who bowls friendly off-spin. <laughs> and what does Mark Waugh bowl? A short and wide dolly, well outside off-stump. Now, Agarkar could have done whatever he wanted to with that ball. He could have left it, he could have defended it, he could have dinked it for a single... <laughs> And he could have gone to the other end and taken a huge breath of relief. What does he do? He backs away and cuts this ball in the air, straight to the hands of backward point, and he's collected a pair, a king pair. It's just 
some of these scripts are just written you know and you just need to you just need to play your part and by this yeah. time uh, i remember reading this on red if uh, there used to be this uh, uh, comments from the users as you have on crick info these days um, don't remember if it was live or uh, it was just something that was published after uh, the test match got over but one reader mentioned the indian team is a strange unusual animal it's got a tail at both ends <laughs> that <laughs> perhaps yeah. summed up the indian batting for me in the series india were in complete disarray by now right so who opens the innings for india in this third test they have vvs lakshman who himself is a middle order bat and they were doing their best to try and see if he can fit into the opening slot and accompanying lakshman you had msk prasad who himself was a makeshift wicket keeper like nayan mongya was controversially left out of this tour for political reasons apparently and that's how prasad got his chance and suddenly is opening the innings against magra and lee in the new year test match that's that's a triple promotion one should say and not something that he really <laughs> fared too well at but this test match uh, also has to be remembered for uh, uh, vvs lakshman's absolutely brilliant innings in the second uh, indian uh, dig uh, 167 beautiful beautiful runs uh, and i think he earned the third place or he continues to have the third place on the bannerman list which is basically the yeah. list of uh, highest percentage runs scored by an individual batsman in uh, test match innings for a team uh, lakshman uh, scoring 167 for india out of a total of 281 if i remember correctly fine fine innings from uh, from lakshman indeed uh, normally when you pull off a banerman record it's because you've batted really well and your teammates have batted very poorly and in lakshman's case that's exactly what it was but uh, really i think his career might have ended for a while at that stage if he hadn't scored runs in sydney there were a lot of question marks about what vvs lakshman was doing because he had got out to a series of soft dismissals going into this final innings in sydney so good on him and great for indian cricket that he managed to pull one back in in sydney and innings that is very fondly remembered but trouble as always at the other end sachin scored a few in the first innings Uh, india lost a lot of wickets once again dravid not scoring too many ganguly not sto- scoring too many and <laughs> second down to our friend ajit agarkar uh, this time he has six slips uh, when he comes out to bat at sydney he gets another yorker 147 kilometers per hour just outside of stuff and he politely steers it into the cotton once again by now it's a bit of a joke i mean i'm, I'm not sure if this was a first bowler as well i think this too was a first bowler yeah in sydney yeah so india made just 150 in the first innings uh magra picking up five wickets lee following up his fifer on debut with 4 for 39 in uh, in sydney and then australia comes out to bat justin langer had been failing throughout this series up until this point and uh, he filled his boots with a double 100 in sydney and he was supported by ricky ponting so australia running up a score of 552 for five declared so that's a lead of 402 and they still have half the side left when they decide that they've had enough they're like probably gluttony <laughs> at its core they they just fill their boots with as many runs as they can and they put india into bat the second time and that's when lakshman scores that wonderful innings not much to write home about so we won't go into too many details about what happens in the rest of the innings but then it comes back to our friend ajit agarkar uh, he's been tormented by bretley by mark wo by uh, damian fleming so far finally runs into glen magra <laughs> gets a trademark magra delivery right outside of stump nicks it uh, to adam gilchrist behind the stumps 
But this is actually his best innings out of the last five because he's actually faced two balls. After copying <laughs> four first ballers, Agarkar survives the first ball, gets out only to his second ball. At this stage, I don't remember if it was a commentator or writer or someone. There was this joke about Mark Waugh. Mark Waugh had collected a couple of uh, pairs early in his career in the early 90s. And, this, and he, he got this nickname, this very ignominious nickname, Audi, right? Because he had four zeros. Yeah. Somebody at this stage said, Agarkar has gone past Audi. He now is, he has the Olympic rings because he had five ducks. <laughs> um, it was, it couldn't have got worse. The good thing for Agarkar, interestingly, was he was one, he was probably India's best bowler in this tour. Uh, and well, that's not much to say. He did keep taking a lot of wickets with, with some very spirited, very fast and quite and pretty long, intense spells of bowling, right? And he kept getting Langer, Slater, the Watt wins um, in trouble. And I think that may be papered over his, his batting, which went completely to pot by this stage in the, in the series. So, five ducks. And we're not done, by the way. I know the series is done, but uh, Agarkar's great run of scores is not run. We will talk about what happened next also. But uh, that's how Sydney ended with uh, with an innings defeat for India. The most uh, it was a relentless hammering from Australia. This one ended with an innings and 141 runs. After this, the nightmare wasn't going to end. You had the 2001 series. You had 2001 where Australia came back to India, and you thought uh, India would avenge their uh, their hammering at the hands of Australia. You thought Ajit Agarkar would start scoring runs. Well, the way that series started, neither of those happened. The Vankere Test match, where it all began, India got hammered once again by Australia with Caden and Gilchrist scoring big hundreds. We won't go into the details of what happened in Vankere, and of course, we all know what happened afterwards at Eden Gardens and at Chepok, where history was written. But we will briefly talk about Ajit Agarkar's batting and in the Vankere Test match. So, after having scored five ducks in Australia, uh, by the way, Agarkar's batting had, had gone, you know, had improved since then. He, By the way, in the meantime, between the Australia tour and this tour where Australia were coming back to India, Agarkar had scored the fastest 50 by an Indian batsman in one-day wow. cricket against Zimbabwe. 21 balls, that was the yeah, record yeah. back then. Yeah. So, we thought, okay, maybe Agarkar is a different player now and the next test match was in the Vankade Stadium home ground. Maybe he'll use this opportunity to finally, you know, score some runs against Australia. What does he do? He defends about 20 balls. And then he gets out to Shane Warne this time. Okay, Shane Warne had not got him out even once in the Australia during his run of great ducks in Australia. <laughs> he gets a leading edge trying to work Warne to the leg side and gives a cotton bowl. Now, he's just inventing ways to get out, right? Uh, and Ian Chappell is on air once again, by the way. Ian Chappell was already on air when Agarkar collected some of his earlier ducks. When he gets out, Chappell says... He really should have been making more of an attempt to get off the mark early on. Because this was like his 18th ball or something. And he had just been defending until then. Not really trying to get a run. And he gets out this way. right? So that's in the first innings. He comes out of bat again in the second innings. You could... It's okay to have seven ducks. If great bowlers are getting you out, you know, the wands of the world, the magras of the world, break please, it's acceptable. It's maybe even okay if Mark Waugh gets you out once in the middle of all of it. But to get out to Mark Waugh two times... When you are collecting ducks. It's a bit much. What does Agarkar do in the second innings of the Vankade? He tries to, after again, he defends about 15 balls. India are going down. That match is not going too well. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he tries to slog Markova through the mid-wicket boundary. It, except he misses the ball and he gets bowled. He gets bowled for another duck. So now he has seven ducks. And this is when the famous headline comes out. 
Ajit Agarkar is James Bond, not not seven. <laughs> so in in one fell swoop across two tours, Agarkar has collected an Audi. He has collected yeah. some Olympic medals. and now he's james bond and now he's james bond indeed and uh, it was just as well that agarkar got injured in bombay he ended up missing the next two test matches i'm sure he was happy he probably wanted to bowl at the australians but i'm sure he did not want to bat against the australians india of course going on to win those two test matches and win that series agarkar's career after this less than a year after this scores a century at lords Yes. Brian Lara did not score a century at Lords. Sachin Tendulkar did not score a century Gavaskar. at Lords. Gavaskar. There are many great batsmen. Sunil Gavaskar never made a hundred at Lords, but Ajit Agarkar has a hundred at Lords after having bagged seven ducks and hit the fastest fifty by an Indian. Yeah. yeah, and the story doesn't end there. The next time he bats in yes. Australia and he Go gets ahead. a single, he actually raises his bat to the crowd, yeah. and the crowd also lap it up. so i mean finally after all that uh, absolute mayhem that he uh, had to face from uh, australian bowlers across two tours multiple cities multiple bowlers when he finally gets the single he uh, does show a humorous side to himself and raises his bat and it's it's one of those moments that are that are you know fully uh, imprinted in my memory uh, because yeah. of how how such a thing can only happen in in our sport where uh, i mean one could even make a case as to why bowlers are expected to bat something that they are terrible at to begin with yes. but i mean agarkar uh, agarkar was not a terrible batter yeah but he was not even a terrible batsman but you're right things really looked up for him on that 2003 2004 tour of australia where he finally got a single and celebrated uh, that was in brisbane where he had not bagged a duck because india didn't play any test matches in brisbane in 99 <laughs> they then went to adelaide which is where it all started because he scored his first duck in adelaide and in adelaide agarkar was the hero he picks up six wickets yes. to set up uh, an incredible win for india and uh, goes on to have a very interesting career right uh, is still lampooned by many for having been profligate uh, not a very economical bowler but still boasts of one of the best strike rates in one day cricket history for india yeah. used to pick up wickets by the backful and uh, as uh, he has a career now as a as a commentator let's leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> can't score ducks uh, on on the commentary panel so yeah that's that indeed yeah so on that note uh, our commiserations for uh, ajit agarkar's horrible horror run against australia and equally our thoughts are with surya kumar yadav and we hope, hope that uh, surya's streak doesn't go for that long a period that'll yeah, that'll be disastrous yeah i hope he doesn't and I, his ipl team will also hope that his streak uh, is is stopping for now and that uh, yeah we hope sky comes back into form it is a world cup year after all and he still might well be plan a part of india's plans for the one day world cup So that's been us on episode nine of Heads and Tails. We recounted uh, uh, Agarkar's absolute horror streak of ducks uh, as a tribute to what Surya Kumar Yadav did in the recent ODI series against Australia. Uh, hopefully, we won't have to talk about many more nightmares in the episodes to come. But if you have a nightmarish test uh, that was played by India, or a good test, or a good ODI T20 that was played by India, or any other team. please write into us on twitter and we'll be very happy to cover that on the next episodes till then it's goodbye from me abhishek and it's goodbye from nitin 
Cheers, everyone. You were listening to Heads and Tails, hosted by Abhishek Chopra and Nitin Sundar. Produced by Audiomatic. Producers for Audiomatic, Rajesh Tahil and Avdood Khanolkar. Assistant Producer, Piyakash. Kash.